0: Welcome back to another week of Behind the Lens. I'm Debbie Lynn Elias, film critic to 150-some outlets in the U.S. and abroad, in print and online, but every Monday you can find me right here at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on Adrenaline Radio, and thrilled to be here today on this summer solstice, first day of summer, or as I like to call it, the hotter-than-hell day, Um, but... At, at Behind the Lens, that, that has a double double meaning today because not only is it 100 plus degrees outside in Southern California, but we have one of the hottest soap, star, soap opera stars in the history of General Hospital joining us. Ian Buchanan is here live at 1130 and he'll be talking about a very special short film that we have been championing for over a year now. Uh, along with his writer, director, and producer, Sherry Sussman. The short film is One Night in Hollywood, and Sherry's got some exciting information about it so that all of you will now be able to see this film and a performance from Ian that you will f- that all of you, his fans will fall in love with. And plus, I want to hear a little bit about his recent trip to Bhutan and the film that he was working on there, and then see if the rumors are true about... Uh, being directed by, I don't know, somebody named Finola Hughes in another film coming up, but that'll be at 1130. At 1115, we have an incredible director joining us, Benson Lee. He has a new film that is out, I think on VOD tomorrow called Soul Searching, as in S-E-O-U-L. It is Think John Hughes with an Asian vibe and the best of the best of an '80s soundtrack that you could ever think of. Uh, we got a little bit Ferris Bueller. We've got a little bit 16 Candles, and we got a lot of Breakfast Club with some indelible characters and actors. Uh, so Benson will be with us at 11:15. But before we get to that, it's Monday, Brian. It's Monday. We're, we need our Star Wars countdown. He, he's he's checking. Here. Sorry,
1: yeah, I'm, I'm posting on line here for the show. Okay, so the Star Wars countdown. Yes. Which I look forward to every Monday
0: as I, well as the show. I know you do, and we all know that Nick Crawl of LA River looks forward to it too.
1: Yeah. Star Wars Episode Eight, as of today. Yes. Is less than it was last week
0: this is true
1: we're at 542 days 12 hours 56 minutes and after i am done speaking we'll mm-hmm. be at 30 seconds to go
0: okay but but, but i don't want to wait that long no neither do i i don't want to wait that long and i want to see alan Tudick, so
1: yes a former uh guest yes of behind the lens for rogue one and alan we have 178 days 12 hours and 56 minutes to go which is considerably less than last week also
0: that is much considerably less, even though today is, you know, the longest day of the year.
1: Yeah, we're would have to. we going to have to wait a little bit longer today. Just today, though.
0: But, you know, but being the longest day of the year, do you know we have 15 hours of daylight today? Do we really? We do. 15 hours of daylight.
1: I'm out of here at 9, so it'll probably still be...
0: 9 tonight? Yeah. Sun may just be setting, like 8.30 <laughs> or 8.45. That's awesome. But...
1: You know what I could do without it is 100-degree weather.
0: Well, and that's just it, which is why... The best thing to do today, after you're done listening to Behind the Lens, is to head to your nearest movie theater and see the blockbuster of the weekend, which even you went and saw, Brian.
1: I did, and I I, I went too because it was hot. I found the seats because my my movie theater, my local movie theater, is reserved seating. Mm-hmm. I, f- I happened to find two seats, one for myself and my girlfriend, and and air conditioning was was awesome. Get, go to your movie theater, go watch. The movie that I will let you introduce. No,
0: you can you tell tell us which one is this because you have you have great affection for some of the new characters.
1: I do, and uh, the movie we're speaking about that smashed the box office.
0: One hundred and thirty six point oh two million in the U.S. and Canada, another fifty million overseas.
1: Finding Dory.
0: And it is, you heard a little bit about Finding Dory last week with a couple clips of my exclusive interview with producer Lindsay Collins. We'll hear more from Lindsay as well as Ellen DeGeneres and Ed O'Neill in a few minutes. But, so so what did you think? A lot of people are hyping it as better than Finding Nemo. I think it's a totally different adventure story. My big fascination with this film, beyond all the indelible, charming characters And, of course, my pick of this film, Hank. Um, And when you watch the video, you're going to see Hank is front and center, the coolest orange octopus on the planet, or Septipus. Septipus, yeah. Thanks to a nasty child that, you know, removed a tentacle. You got to watch those kids. Um, But the technical, this is a technical marvel, people. What has happened, what Pixar has done with the new technology. We're getting... My, you know, optical technician, I was talking to him yesterday, as a matter of fact, and he is psyched to see this because he understands refraction and reflection so well. This is something we now get for the very first time in animation, in computer animation, is refraction and reflection. Uh, we've got bubbles within bubbles, individual signature bubbles uh, that are now created with the the next edition RenderMan uh, proprietary software. Uh, so this is, it's a visual, it's resplendent delight. It really is. And it's a more intimate journey than what Finding Nemo was. It's a more personal journey as opposed to a grand scope of searching through all the oceans. Uh, but it is just charming beyond charming. Yes, you do need tissues. Um, but we all know my love for Hank so much. I went out and bought a Hank this yesterday.
1: What about um, Piper?
0: Love, love, it Piper. Piper. The sh- that's one of the great things that we have. A- I wish everybody would do this now. There are enough short films being made that I wish all theaters would start putting short films in front of their feature presentation. We don't need 20 minutes of trailers, people. Let's have, you know, let's pull an arc light. Let's do three trailers. And then let's do a short film. Piper is, I'm, I'm telling you now, it is next year's, Best Animated Feature Academy Award winner.
1: It was beautiful. Not even story wise was it beautiful because it was visually.
0: Visually, it's it's about a little hatchling sandpiper, and he's being taught to eat as ocean waves are rushing up on on his poor little fluffy self. He's not supposed to be fluffy, but he gets pretty fluffy when he gets run over by a wave.
1: I've worked with digital animation, and to see a character uh, from fluff from feathers, you know the the sleekness of, of mm-hmm. a bird. To the fluff that, that he got into after uh, you know
0: and you scattered know. fluff at that
1: yeah it was beautiful yeah. visually beautiful and the story's awesome and, and it's just it, I love like you said Pixar for doing this for having an animated short before the feature and I, I honestly forgot that I was going to watch an animated feature until I saw you know the Disney logo pop up and I was like, oh that's right there's there's a film within the uh, a film before the film
0: and of course. What about water? This is something that the Snooper proprietary software has done. The water in, in Finding Dory is outstanding. The different textures, the viscosity, um, the, the clarity, I mean, it's stunning. But we also see that, and much of what we started to, saw in the Good Dinosaur also, as the waves come rushing in, and we have a camera, little piper view underneath the waves, which your heart just melts. Your heart melts. I, it is one of, is every short film that Pixar does just gets better and better on every level. And this one is the pinnacle of their little shorts right now, I think. What do you think?
1: I love, I like (laughs) it visually. I think if I, if we're going to pick favorites here, my favorite one still has to be Lava. Lava, Lava just won me completely over. Uh, But I don't, I don't have a Pixar. Short that I don't like more than the other one.
0: I mean, it's, They're all great. It's like Blue Umbrella was fabulous. Paper Man. Paper
1: Man was great, I was about to say.
0: And each one is so creative, so inventive in its storytelling, in its animation style.
1: Um, Even when you go back to Knickknack. Yeah. That one was... that I, I could watch that. I love that mm-hmm. one. I love that one.
0: So, I mean, it... it, it it's it's a win win it's a win win combination for you with finding Dory Piper and Finding Dory so stay out of the heat go to the theater by the time our show ends today most theaters have like a one o'clock screen and you can make it there no no time at all so that that just you must see Finding Dory and Piper. It, it's specta- absolutely spectacular. So, what is it? And
1: stay after the credits because I saw a ton of people leaving uh-
0: <laughs> after. And,
1: and Disney has uh, has conditioned us to stay after the credits, but definitely stick around for that because there is a scene after the fact after the movie
0: that you all will want to see. Yes, it's it, it's
1: hilarious and it ties. You know, there was a lot of elements from Finding Dory that explained things that were happening in Finding Nemo. This one is another one that ties up a loose end from Finding Nemo that you're going to definitely want to stick around for.
0: So that is our, our, you know, oh, oh, absolute pick of the week here without a doubt. Now, of course, next weekend is going to be Next week will be interesting because Friday independence day resurgence opens and I'm screening that on Friday. I was told that there were no pre-release screenings. So I'm going to see that at 11 o'clock Friday morning. And I'm really looking forward to it. Um, but, back to Dory for a minute. My favorite character is Hank. Brian has a surprise favorite character.
1: Bailey. Bailey steals the screen in this movie. <laughs> Love Bailey. He's voiced by Ty Burrell, one of my favorite uh, comedy sitcom actors. Well, he's not a sitcom, because it's the, the comedy drama Modern Family. Which, Hank, who's voiced by Ed O'Neill, is also a star of. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was cool. And then... Um, Ellen. Ellen, Of course. Ellen is awesome as Dory.
0: And, uh, of course, then we've got Diane Keaton and Eugene Levy as Dory's parents, Jenny and Charlie. And Diane Keaton does doting mother so well. Just picture her in Father of the Bride, Father of the Bride, to you know, getting flustery and and high-pitched voice. And immediately, she is the perfect mother for, for Dory to have. So, you know, it is... A must see. I can't believe Bailey, you picked Bailey.
1: Bailey, I loved immediately as soon as I saw him, I, I connected with him in his inability to want to use his gift when he, he was unable to He. I forgot what kind of breed of, of whale he is but it's one of those whales that, that has sonar that they're able to see. Echo
0: location like, he's echo location. a beluga whale.
1: Yeah, beluga whale That's he's a it
0: beluga. Was.
1: I loved him. I, and I loved then him.
0: his friend Destiny is a whale shark Yeah So we, we get, and the research that goes into these films and the, and the went into Finding Dory in terms of the various fish and the various sea life and the colors and even the undersea environment. Um, It's extensive and you've got a lot of great science involved in the film as well, but it never feels like a, like a teaching film. You just, it's kind of like Dory learning things from Sigourney Weaver says. And I'm sure Sigourney Weaver says out there, go see Finding Dory.
1: You know, what was funny is my experience watching the film uh, You know, fan interaction with a film isn't, you know, encouraged, I guess. But there was a lot of Mm -hmm. kids in the movie theater with their parents. And the opening sequence, the opening scene of Finding Dory Mm -hmm. is a baby Dory, which I'm sure you've seen the photo of because it was circulating on Facebook and social media. And if you haven't seen it yet, you're not one of those $135 million that was made. (laughs) Well, then you got to go watch it now. But the opening scene is a baby Dory. And you can't help but go... Oh, as soon as you see it, the entire theater, I did it too. i The entire theater uh, let out uh, uh, awe together. A and
0: collective awe. Oh, with, and dude. she has this cute little lisp, and it's just so, it's so adorable. No, it's on every level. It's magical. I said it, two fins up, swimmingly sensational. You name it. It is adorable.
1: How many more do you have? Please give me another one. Give me another pun. <laughs>
0: I, I lo- I like puns. No, I'm out of puns right now. Okay. I'm out of puns. My brain, my brain is unpunning right now. But in order to hear a little bit more about Finding Dory, how about if we hear more from producer Lindsay Collins during our exclusive interview, um, talking about working with water. The other thing, to
2: be honest, that was in some ways even harder, at least on the first film, but in, on this film too, was all of the glass containers. I mean, because it's one thing to have water uncontained. I mean, right. kind of off in the distance and you, have to, you want to feel the viscosity of it or the surface of the water, mm. which is always challenging. Right. But when you've got water contained in glass, you know, tanks or... Caraffs or sippy cups and coffee pods so and you how see. you when you that camera goes around the corner. I mean, you see that when you're in an aquarium and how right. it refracts and you know where's the care you know it kind of doubles up and what yeah. what kind of science does around that. We avoided that in the in the dentist office tank. We never had shots in the corner of the tank, right? Because we couldn't do it on Nemo. And now in this film, it, it's like every opportunity we're putting some creature in a glass container with reflections and refractions. It so,
0: blew my mind because it wasn't flat. It no. was fully refractive. Yeah. Fully refra- reflective. Yeah. And Andrew was like, you know,
2: he wanted to go because they said, you know, it's going to look weird because what it does naturally, and it's and it's, and it's it's correct. I mean, but the way that where the character pops up in the reflection is yeah. going to. And he was like, no, I want to as much as possible. I want to go with what is right. Mm-hmm. If we if it gets in our way, we can certainly cheat it out of the way. But like, I want that camera to do. Yeah. He's like, because I know that even though that seems wrong and it seems weird, as people we're educated to assume that. I mean, when we go yeah. to aquariums, we do see that. Yeah. And so, even though it feels wrong when you're when you're you know studying the one frame, I think you feel it kind of as a whole. It doesn't it oh. doesn't pop you out. No.
0: So, and when you, you'll see for yourself, and Brian, I think you can attest to the fact that. You do fully see the visuals when she, when Dory is in a coffee pot in the water and everything is going around and you're seeing reflections as you're shooting through fish tanks and all.
1: It's funny that she mentions that they try to put the characters or all various fish in a glass situation because there definitely is a lot of situations in the film where the, the characters are placed in another – like you said, a coffee
3: mm-hmm.
0: – uh,
1: the coffee holder or, or a cup or – Things like that. Mm-hmm. So it's funny that, 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 that she said that because that's true. The, the characters were always... It is,
0: it's very true. And, of course, hand in hand with what is captured, you know, with the new technology and the water and the refraction and reflection is also the color. And one of the big things with the color is these colors, the colors of the of the coral reef, which you see in the, and the sea life in the open ocean exhibit, is that lifted right out of the Great Barrier Reef down off the coast of Australia. The bear, don't look at pictures now. You have to look at the ones from 50 years ago because now the reef is dying uh, thanks to global warming. Yes, it is real, people, very real. Um, But in order to see these Crayola-colored, you know, wonders, you know, they did a lot of research to find, you know, to make sure everything is accurate And this is what Lindsay had to say about the use of color. We try to. And I think the only thing that we do, if anything, to
2: adjust is that sometimes it's so vibrant when you put it all in there that it's hard to track the character within it. Mm -hmm. So to know where your eye, because your eye is so kind of attracted to these insane colors and these beautiful forms. So the one thing we do is we organize it a little bit more Mm. so that we create these shapes that kind of are allowed to to fall back a little bit. Mm -hmm. Because it's... I mean, it is. Nature is like... Especially in Coral Reef. I mean, you're like, there's no way that's a real color. Like, that's like a Crayola color. Like, that's not a real color. (laughs) And then you look at these pictures and you're like, oh, no.
0: Where do people think Crayola got their colors? I know! These
2: colors are so... And so that's why we... Only thing we do sometimes is to try to knock it back and organize it a little bit so that you can... Your eye isn't so distracted by... The beauty. I mean, Mm -hmm. when we can take advantage of it, like when Mr. Ray is is swimming through, those are moments that we love because it's like okay, we can just we can just create it and let it be as gorgeous as as it should be as nature gives it. So we don't because we're not having to track. Right. It's allowing you. It's kind of indulging in the moment of flying through that breeze. And
0: the third part, the third tine of the fork, so to speak. Of Neptune's pit- Neptune scepter, perhaps, is the texture and the viscosity of the water. Yeah, but the fact that you've got the different textures within the water, the murkiness within mm-hmm. the kelp, mm-hmm. within the kelp fields. Yeah, you know, you have the clarity, and then you go into the pipes, and mm-hmm. you've got the corrosion and, yep. and the rust and the barnacles.
2: The lighters, you can imagine, love that because they get to take full advantage of all of the tools that they've got at their disposal, and because they feel like. That's those are their sets. And so they're like, how do you make it really feel like we are in very different parts, which is what we, we did on the first film. But on this film, because we were going to be in smaller, it's not a big journey film. I mean, it's right. you know, you're in these kind of smaller environments. So it was really more about playing with the quality of the water mm-hmm. and the color of the water and the depth of the water and the particulates in there and, and making them
0: feel very different. So and with that, we're going to take a short break. We'll be right back with some more Dory and maybe Benson Lee.
3: Hey, this is Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers for
4: RAD. I'm here to remind you that drunk drivers are still a major killer of young adults in this country. So always choose a designated driver. And remember,
5: music lives, you should too. Getting on in the state of Mississippi.
3: Papa with a copper and a mama with
5: a hippie. A public service message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. It magical. What's up, Ruckus?
4: Check this out. It's a sports wrap every Monday night from 7 to 8.
6: Giving it to you
5: every which way there is sports. That's football, basketball, hockey, NASCAR. We're going to give it to you here every week on Adrenaline Radio 1680 AM. Wings! Yeah, That's all we needed. Yeah. Chica,
7: chica, Tell chica, chica. where you want to yeah. go, man. Real Sports Show. With containers, there are a couple of things to be aware of. Containers can be
5: heavy and get really hot. A solution I found is the big bag bed from SmartPots. They're lightweight. No, really. Anyone from 3 to 93 can pick one up because they're made from an aeration fabric wholesale nurseries have been using for years. And they breathe, which is an important factor in developing stronger roots. Traditional containers don't do that. Grow this year's garden in a big bag bed by SmartPots. Found at your local nursery garden center and online at
7: SmartPots.com
0: and we are back and with us right now is benson lee are you there benson hi benson how are you hi benson hello can you hear me
5: hi how are you
0: i'm fine how are you
5: I am very busy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's no wonder that you're very busy with a fabulous little film like Soul Searching.
5: Why, thank you so much. I appreciate that.
0: This, I mean, a total and complete delight watching this film. Oh, thank you. I was... Thank you.
5: I'm glad you enjoyed it. uh,
0: But the first thing I have to ask you about this film, and I alluded to it at the top of the show, was... Mm-hmm. How much of your budget went for music rights? Because you have major hits out of the 80s as part of your yes. musical soundtrack. This yeah, is this I mean, is amazing. Music is
5: definitely one of the more expensive uh, parts of filmmaking. And uh, I did get some pretty big hits from the 80s. But, you know, I had a phenomenal music supervisor by the name of Rudy Chung from a company called History Ground Running. Mm-hmm. You know, you really can't, uh as a filmmaker, you really can't um, make a movie with lots of uh pop hits unless you have a great music supervisor, so I'm very fortunate. <laughs> and, you know, honestly, it's, you know, the landscape of licensing and all that has changed quite a bit in the past few years. So, um, and the further away, I guess we get away from the 80s, uh, it gets slightly cheaper, I think, but... We were able to pull it off on a on a shoestring, uh, shoestring budget, and I was I'm very very lucky that that was possible.
0: Okay, well, I I have to ask the big question: Are you going to release a soundtrack?
5: Yes, we'd like to, and that's actually uh, another very challenging endeavor because um, I'm working with so many different labels, and mm-hmm. sometimes labels. Uh, you know, it's just easier if, like, you know, all the tracks are from one particular uh, music label, but they're from all over. So, yeah, that's definitely in our cards, but, you know, there's a lot of work that needs to be done in order to make that happen. But, um, yeah, I can also, I'm actually going to release the playlist. <laughs> oh,
0: well, that, that's um, helpful. That's
5: helpful. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Trust me, if you release mm. a soundtrack, I will buy... I will download, I will buy a CD, I, I will do whatever. Wow. Because I, I am just... Wow, thank you. I love the soundtrack, and everybody that sees Soul Searching is going to love it, too. But now, tell everybody what yeah, this film great. is about, because, yes, we've seen, similar, we've seen similar stories told by John Hughes in, in films like The mm-hmm. Breakfast Club or 16 Candles, but you have a mm-hmm. new spin on that.
5: Yes, I'm sorry. I, I I missed the first part of your question. Were you just asking what the film is about?
0: Yeah, because you know we we've seen a fi- we've seen so much of this with John Hughes and his films, but you've put a new spin on that.
5: Yes, absolutely. Well, Soul Searching basically is a uh, a teen comedy coming of age film about uh, three boys uh, from very uh, three Korean boys from different parts of the world. One is Korean Mexican, the other is Korean German, one is Korean American. And they meet at the summer school um, in Korea in 1986, where they're supposed to learn about their heritage um, uh, from their motherland, Korea. And it's there that these three very disparate characters come together and become very close friends and learn more about uh, their cultural differences, although they have very similar faces, but you know they couldn't be uh, more different uh, in terms of their culture. And it's also about the girls that they meet. Mm-hmm. And all these experiences that they go through really, uh, qualifies, you know, the best summer of their lives as teenagers. And, um, yeah, that's the basic premise of it. And, uh, for me, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge John Hughes fan from back in the eighties and I watched his films religiously, but it was just that I wasn't very happy with the portrayal of Asians mm-hmm. in his movies. And so I decided, you know, this is the, I'd like to make the film that I wanted to see growing up where there were, uh, positive characters uh, with depth for Asian, Asian, uh, Asian story, mm-hmm. Asian movie.
0: Well, and something key that you do, Benson, is so many filmmakers they will br- make everything stereotypical as to a, a specific ethnicity or or, ancest- or ancestry. You don't. Mm-hmm. You're playing on cultural mm-hmm. stereotypes more than than ethnic. <laughs> yeah, uh, you, we've got you know. The character of Sid, played by Justin Chan, is just amazing in the role. I mean, mm-hmm. he is a typical, you look at him, one look at him and you think Sid Vicious, you think punk rock of the 90s. I mean, it is, mm-hmm. it's fabulous. Klaus is very German, prim and proper, to a T. You really pick up mm-hmm. on, these, on the various cultures, you know, societal and cultural stereotypes, as opposed to an ethnic one, and I just think that's fabulous.
5: Yes, thank you. Yeah, you know, it was a really fascinating summer for me. It was definitely uh, more not not so much because I learned about my heritage, but I learned more about the, the diaspora of Koreans around mm-hmm. the world. And you know that that applies to all kinds of uh, ethnicities. Like we live in a very multicultural global you know village now, where people have immigrated or emigrated. You know, different countries, and you have so many different types of people living all around the world. And nationality isn't always an ethnicity; it's really sort of a state of mind. Mm-hmm. It's a culture that you're from. So, you know, Klaus being Korean on the outside, but he's German. He's as German as any other German. He's as German day, he as all of my. Re- there.
0: He's German as all my relatives. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs>
5: yeah. And uh, and so, you know, I, I always thought that was fascinating. And, um, you know, so I wanted to show off that diversity within diversity, if you will. Mm-hmm. And um, at the end of the day, I think that really helped people to not only look at them as like, oh, this is just an Asian-American story, but it's more, more culturally complex than that because we have people from all around the world. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a very modern sort of component of my film even though it takes place in 1986 mm-hmm. but uh yeah you know when I was 16 and I met these guys from other parts you know because we didn't have the internet at that time so we were very sheltered we had no idea what 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 type of people are living in other countries and in one summer I was able to meet like the entire you know globe through mm-hmm. one camp so I really wanted to capture that experience in the movie
0: And, you know, what's really interesting is when I think back over the decades is that the one constant we've always had was music, which connected every culture in the world. I I remember back in the 60s, I met a cousin of mine Mm. from Germany for the very first time, came to the United States. She didn't speak a word of English. I didn't speak a word of German. And we connected through the grassroots sooner or later and i mm-hmm. and i see mm-hmm. this you've got you know your jessica van Cara, uh jessica van who plays grace park you know she's very mm-hmm. into madonna and everybody knows this all the songs everybody can relate mm-hmm. to the music and that i think is is mm-hmm. a wonderful global unification factor you have
5: thank you and you're right uh music really is one of the most uh a binding uh, things in the world that, you know, people can relate to and, uh, especially 80s. 80s is almost synonymous with 80s pop music, yeah. you know? And, uh, there's so many iconic uh, songs from that era, such an iconic sound and, and so on. So I've met so many people from all over, you know, the world who've seen the movie who could re- definitely relate to, you know, the coming of age theme as well as um, and the music and the fashion and so on so that was definitely one of the more funner parts of the process for me was selecting the music and uh and and you know going back in time with my costume designer Shirley karata to find you know the perfect outfits to represent that era and so on so yes
0: your costume designer is is just absolutely amazing did, yeah. did not Shirley. Miss, um she did not miss a yeah. beat didn't miss
5: a beat. Yeah. Shirley, I was so lucky to work with Shirley. She's a really famous stylist. She works with Pharrell, lots of other big celebrities. Mm-hmm. And, um, but she's also from that era. So that's one, you know, it was really important for me that when I met, you know, when I was, uh, selecting a costume designer that they really understood that era in terms of clothing. And Shirley totally got it. Like we, you know, we studied so many yearbooks
3: <laughs> from the eighties
5: <laughs> and looked at old videos, and you know, it all came, you know, rushing back to us. But it's great because you know, the costume is also an extension of the character. Mm-hmm. So you know, in addition to getting the the style right, but it really had to, you know, be um, complement the character. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's and it's not easy, you know, making that look flawless or really natural mm-hmm. for the character. So. She did an amazing job.
0: Well, and now where can we find Soul Searching, Benson? It comes out well, so tomorrow. tomorrow.
5: Um, actually, it's, it, it was already released in New York uh, last Friday on June 17th. Mm-hmm. It's playing at the AMC Empire 25 in Times Square till this Thursday, June 23rd. And then we're opening in L.A. this Friday on June 24th. And to celebrate our opening in L.A., we're actually going to host a 80s premiere actor party in the theme of an 80s teen comedy prom.
0: Oh, my God. Okay.
5: Yeah. So in downtown Los Angeles uh, at the Majestic, we are holding a prom, an 80s prom. And basically it's uh, anyone who buys a ticket, movie ticket for opening weekend uh, from Friday to Sunday, June 24th to 26th, at the Lemley, where we're opening, um, can get into our prom this Friday night for free.
0: Oh okay? my god!
5: And yeah, so I really want to encourage people to come because it's going to be. If you like the soundtrack of my movie, you're going to totally like love this party. We have one of the best '80s DJs in Los Angeles. Um, we're going to have slow jams. <laughs> we're going to have balloon uh, photo booths, just like in the prom. Oh, and uh, we encourage everyone to come in either 80s prom wear or 80s costume. We're going to have a prom king and queen contest. And, um, yeah, so it's going to be just a, a magical night. And, you know, if anyone wants to buy a ticket, a movie ticket, and come to, learn more about our prom, they can come to our website, which is uh, soulsearchingthemovie.com. And that's S-E-O-U-L, like Seoul Korea, mm-hmm. soulsearchingthemovie.com.
0: Oh, my God. All right, Shane's probably laughing because he he's because he knows I'm thinking, oh, I may have to come to this. I may have to go to this.
5: You have to, you know, <laughs> lady, if you love my soundtrack, like seriously, <laughs> you need to come to this party, and you need to you need to bring your friends because it's going to be like you rarely get to go out these days and hear phenomenal '80s music, right? True. And um, and this and you know it's all about you know celebrating Asian American film and um. You know, just having a wonderful—it's like the the prom is like the extension of the movie. You we know, mm-hmm. want it to be an experiential experience for our viewers. So, because you know, in every good teen comedy from the '80s, there's always like the prom, right? Like yep. where all the all, everything goes down at the prom. So, as you know, we have that scene in our movie. Absolutely, and, have and, that uh, scene. <laughs> And uh, to be quite honest, for for many of us, this is probably the last chance we get to experience a prom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and uh yeah, so it should be a lot of fun. So please uh, let Shane know and he'll set everything up for uh, you. And uh yeah.
0: Benson, I can't thank please thank come. you so much. This is so fun. You're gonna have to come thank back you. on the show again. Promise I would a-
5: love to. Thank you so much for covering us.
0: And hopefully I will see you Friday night. Friday
5: night. Yes 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 please find me so i can give you a hug
0: i will thanks benson
5: okay thank you
0: bye-bye and that was benson lee talking soul searching okay and brian is going to bring our two very special guests live sherry are you there
4: i am i can barely hear you but a little you, bit i'm
0: here you, you can always barely hear me and ian are you th- are you there as well
6: I, I'm here and I can barely hear
0: you. <laughs> Uh-oh, Brian, Brian, do something. Oh,
6: that's a little better. That's a little better. That's, when you yell, it's better. When so I yell, yell, oh,
0: well, I'm good at that. I'm. I, okay. This is such a treat. Sherry, you know I love having you on the show, and you know how much I love this short.
4: Yeah, and we appreciate it. I think it's my third or fourth time back, so it's greatly appreciated. All your support, Debbie.
0: And this is so fabulous. I know the last time you were on, and we had wanted you to come on too, Ian. But I think you were in Bhutan shooting.
6: Uh yes, I was. I was in Bhutan. <laughs> I'm not. Yes, I was there.
0: <laughs> I, this is this is so much. It's like I'm doing the former General Hospital players roundup on this show. It, it, we, I've had so many former GH cast members and current cast members on the show. It's, it's just, hilar-
6: just coincidentally, or is this something? No,
0: it's, it happens. It ends up being just coincidentally, Oh, but of course because
6: they all have nothing else to do. I guess. Ah,
0: yeah, well, ta- <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's very possible with some of them, but you're always busy.
6: Uh, yeah, I've been, I, I, i I'm busy. I've, always, I've been busier, but I kind of, as I get a little older, I don't really like to be, so kind of all over the place. It's quite nice to not be spread so thinly and to focus on stuff that I just enjoy, so that that's enough to keep me busy.
0: Well, you know, I'm so glad that you were slow enough that you could do One Night in Hollywood, because... Oh,
6: me too. I loved it. It was great fun. I I had the best time doing that, and I look forward to whatever comes along with... Uh, Whatever follows it, like a, a week or a month or a year in Hollywood, whatever the sequence is. <laughs> a lifetime death in Hollywood. Day, death in Hollywood.
0: You know, knowing Sherry, she could do a week in Hollywood, a month in Hollywood, a year in Hollywood. Uh huh. You'll just have yeah. to. You'll just have to keep coming back. And yes, exactly. Yeah, that's that's the
4: plan: on. is to follow up with the feature, one week in Hollywood, which we actually wrote before we did the short. So. Um, if all goes well, we it looks pretty good. We should be shooting that in the next six months.
0: Well, and of course, people may not know this yet because they're going to they're going to learn all about One Night in Hollywood in the coming days now. But you know, you won a Best Supporting Actor at the United International Film Festival, Ian.
6: I did. Thank you very much. And uh, Sherry <laughs> presented me with my award at the coffee bean and tea leaf, which was kind of like the highlight of, of receiving it. <laughs> I wasn't able to be there on the night, so we got together, and and I, uh, I, I still I still have the certificate sitting out. Actually. It's very funny.
0: I mean, it just but your performance. This is something. This character we have not seen from you before. You you are deliciously decadent.
6: Yes, it's actually kind of it's it's the sort of character that. I enjoyed I enjoyed playing it because he gets to say all the things I think that I, I never express. So <laughs> that's what I kind of liked about it. He just gets to. It's almost like uh, he's based on he's based on several people, but people that I really don't particularly care for. But <laughs> I, I kind of like that. Just explosive, like almost like verbal diarrhea or or Tourette's or something. Just completely like just say whatever they you know think think they're in control and then absolutely just lose it, which I I think is great fun to play, not so much fun to be around them.
0: What did you think when you read this script? Because this this whole project, One Night in Hollywood or One Week in Hollywood, this really is the darkest comedic skewering of the entertainment industry that I think I've seen in many a year.
6: Yes, yes. I think it almost kind of ranks up there with... uh, Mulholland Highway and maybe Sunset Boulevard. It's just that kind of a, just that dark, what people will do to be, to get, to, to get their baby or to create the lens people will go to. And uh, I mean, you see definitely, of course, you see the reality in Hollywood. Sometimes is pretty dark mm-hmm. um, because people get pretty desperate and shameless and will do the most amazing things just to either get noticed or get, Get some kind of attention, but uh, I li- it's not always funny. I mean, unless you sort of, unless you, I, I, unless you kind of just find it funny. But it's, well, that's what I like about the, about the script and about the, uh, making the movie was kind of tra- there are traces of of, of uh, it, it's very realistic, I think, but it's also incredibly funny. Just but what lengths that people will go to to um, just to to be successful in this town
0: Mm -hmm. how do you dive into a character like this and do do you ever have trepidation because so many people know you and love you for being duke lavery on general hospital i mean the fan outcry over losing duke has just been the uh, gigantic
6: well it's been it's been 26 seven years I think of losing two.
0: <laughs> off and on and off and on. But now off and we,
6: on, off and on. It's like a wound that just keeps opening up. It's like when I <laughs> put a little salt in it, why don't you? It's like it's extraordinary.
0: <laughs> well this time um, even after yeah. the ashes got no, thrown, no, I mean
6: when I kind of I, I I've always sort of try to balance going from you know, the sort of romantic lead to being like wacky. So, that, so I've always kind of balanced it only because it makes it more satisfying for me. And uh, I got, I think when I did Twin Peaks after doing soap operas and before, after doing General Hospital, I did Twin Peaks and did Gary Shandling's show. And I think people were a little shocked. There were people in the business, are you really sure you want to do this? Are you really sure you want to break that mold? And I was it never crossed my mind that I, like, I didn't think it was an issue, and I, I, it was never an issue for me. I think it was an issue for other people, but never, I never. I, I get nervous anytime I start anything. I do, I, but not for those reasons, mm-hmm. not because it's going to go against what I think people want me to be or want to see. Or I just get nervous because I want to be my best, and that requires often digging very deep and getting over fear and getting over, you know, so, yeah, that's the only time I get And I'm going to do a voiceover today, and I'm already wishing they'd cancel, because I'm like, oh, my God, seriously?
0: Well, the what only am I re- going
6: to do? What am I going to say? Well, something come out when I open my mouth? Oh, my God. The
0: only, the only reason you should cancel today is so you don't have to leave the comfort of a nice air-conditioned home to even go out in the heat for five minutes.
6: And go to the valley, please. Oh, oh no. no. <laughs> yeah. Go to that. Unfortunately, voiceovers mean San Fernando Valley.
0: Special effects mean San Fernando Valley. Oh, no.
6: Vampire teeth mean the valley.
0: You know, and the peak temperature today I heard on, on KNX coming in this morning is supposed to be at 108 this afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing, isn't it? Oh, Unbelievable. you have my sympathy. So, Sherry, what is it that led you to bringing Ian into this project?
4: Actually, it was a mutual friend who was our executive producer, Francesca von Hopsburg. About three in the morning, I got a Facebook message after we were working on the feature and, um, with Marcus Ryman, who is Francesca's friend, and we were just packaging the feature. And I simply got a Facebook message. Do you know Ian Buchanan, this actor? He's a friend. Here's his number. Call him. He should be in your film. And, uh, that was it. So we called Ian and we met at the Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf, um, in, in Hollywood, one week in Hollywood fashion. And we had coffee and talked for about two hours and, uh, we clicked and that was it. And he was attached to the feature and we decided to do the short as a teaser for the feature. We did it a little backwards. And, um, I of course reached out to Ian who was so gracious to do it. And I said, I, you know, have a great part that's, a sort of composite character from the feature and I um, actually was just talking to Ian about characters he wanted to play and what type of role because I could do a lot with the role I had in mind for him mm-hmm. and he, he sort of went on a rant and I went went to my computer and sort of just wrote down what he said and that was it. Oh my god.
0: So in other words <laughs> Ian, this role was was really customized for you.
6: Sadly enough. <laughs> A, I think there is
4: yeah, There's actually I, sh- I should have given Ian a writing credit. To be honest, he's like my oh, list no, is long. It's no, no, one no. of my favorite lines that Ian. I don't know if he remembers. Staying on the phone, we were just talking about Hollywood and and the the idea of one night in Hollywood.
0: Oh my God! Yeah, I think you need. You know, if money comes in and you can get an extra check, and I think then you take the writing credit.
6: Yes. <laughs> or else, yes, <laughs> so, uh, you can you can represent me on that, Debbie. Thank you very
0: much. Uh, I, it would be my pleasure, my, uh, my pleasure. You know, I still think back to going back 20-some, 27 years ago or whatever. The first time you and I actually met, Ian, was in North Hollywood at the Colfax Park. I was covering the event and doing interviews, and there were a ton of general hospital casts there. Oh, right. I
6: remember that. And yeah. I met
0: you and Fanola for the first time, and I finally found it, and I have to put it up on Facebook, a picture of the three of us that was taken. Wow. And it, you and Finola, because I had already worked with Fanola on Staying Alive in New York, Stallone, the Stallone-directed movie. Yes. Um, so it was such a treat to actually have both of you there at the same time, and that was really in the heyday of the Duke Lavery character. And you could get, you know, Duke's Place t-shirts and, you know, G.H. was at the top of the of the, yes. of the pinnacle. Yes, it, was,
6: it was. It was. The glory days or the Gloria days, as we called them.
0: Well, yeah. And I see. And now it looks like they're trying to come back to the Gloria days with a lot of the things being incorporated. Which which could be more more phantom visions of duke lavery
6: it could be i don't see i i don't i mean i don't see why not i mean i kind of think uh i think he i I quite like the ghosting thing i mean the apparition thing was a little odd because obviously it was she was putting words in my mouth which i mean how many times can you say you've never looked more beautiful i was like seriously (laughs) like (laughs) like shut up it's my apparition i was like
0: yeah okay but (laughs) and seriously (laughs) Uh, she has looked better (laughs)
6: yeah uh ghosting was was quite nice though I sort of liked the whole ghosting aspect. It was like you know that just appearing and being very uh i liked that i mean i it's now that I have a son there I don't know why I wouldn't want to appear before, for my son but uh i don't know i don't uh, they don't have a ghost writer i guess. <laughs> not my apartment.
0: So, we'll so now, now tell us, because you just you finished shooting in Bhutan for what? The temple is the film.
6: Yes, the temple.
0: What is what is? Can you tell us what that's about, or is that hush hush under wraps?
6: Uh, it's kind of hush hush, buried.
0: <laughs> oh, that kind of hush hush. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
6: it's like it's so hush hush. I don't think it exists anymore. I'm not quite sure. It may it may it may resurface. But uh, it was great. It was kind of a horror, uh, very gory, in the happiest place on earth, which was kind of interesting. Uh, it was lovely. I had a great time. I was there for five weeks, and, and uh, I had a wonderful, wonderful time. It was a beautiful country, and, and um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what will happen with it. I have no idea. I haven't, uh, I actually haven't had an update recently, so I, I'm not quite sure. I don't think they have enough to complete it. And mm. There is talk of them trying, you know, uh, trying to, to, to shoot some other stuff to try to get something out of it, so we'll see.
0: And w- is anything true to, will Finola be directing you in a film?
6: She almost did last summer, and then one element fell out, so everything got pushed back. She almost did. We almost went to Scotland to... to uh, direct, uh, not her first feature, but I think her, like, like, a, like a big feature. We, all, we were almost there last, uh, last summer, almost when I left uh, General Hospital, she left too, and we were supposed to be going there to do that, and, and then one, of the, uh, uh, one, one, one person <laughs> fell out, <laughs> and everything yeah, <laughs> fell, fell apart.
0: That was so tactfully phrased.
6: <laughs> yeah.
0: So tactfully phrased. That's when you that and I'm yeah, sure if it
6: was one night in Hollywood I would just I I I would have had a fit already and like
0: I was gonna say, you know, if if, if you were <laughs> it's in,
4: exactly what our feature and our short is about is <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> But you know,
0: now everybody's gonna have a chance to see One Night in Hollywood, aren't they, Sherry?
4: Yes. Actually tomorrow we premiere we got a distribution deal with uh, shorts H D, so It'll be on if you go to www.shorts.tv. Sorry, www.shorts.tv um, will be premiering tomorrow, and they'll give you a program guide on that website. So we'll be internationally seen um, also on iTunes, Amazon Prime, Google. And then we we have a few more festivals um, mm-hmm. to round out you know our festival year. The Hudson Valley Comedy Festival, June 29th through July 2nd in Kingston, New York. Mm-hmm. And then the Acme Comedy Night in Hollywood. It'll be July 20th through 23rd. And um, we're on Facebook. We have a One Night in Hollywood uh, Facebook page, so we post all the specific screening times and dates and. We're on Twitter, and Ian has a wonderful fan club who's been super supportive. So we're yeah, they're, we're they're blasting on, through sure. social media with all our bulletins, and it's it's been really nice.
0: Oh, Ian, you have one of the most devoted fan clubs that I have come across in all of my years. I mean, they yeah, they're
6: they're they're, they're, pretty, they're they're actually pretty wonderful, and I, I uh, very you know I get to actually spend time with. A lot of them, which is great. I love that, and you know, I try to, I try to be connected, and because they, they are absolutely, they're kind of, they, they go from, you know, become more friends than fans, and are very supportive of everything. And and uh, I mean, I didn't, I was probably one of the last to show up at the social media party. I, I think I was kind of forced into it because I really didn't, didn't think it was something that I wanted to be. To be involved in but i, I kind of I, I really like it and it's 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 broadened my horizon it's broadened my fan base obviously but it allows me to be in contact be in direct contact and not have somebody who doesn't know me answer questions on my behalf so it's mm-hmm. kind of, it allows me to be more present and allows me it has actually allowed me to be more present in my life because it's kind of now you, know, you can not it's out there you say things it's out there people you know you have to it's your words you have to kind of live by it so i kind of like that it's made me i can't say gr- it's made me grow up i feel like i've grown up a little more on social media so and it i uh, and i thank my 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 fans and my friends and, and and everybody for that because i don't get too much negativity i mean sometimes it's it's gone before i even notice it so I mean I like that's the one thing I, I hate about social media is that people feel anonymity gives them the right to be cruel and I just don't I just can't stand that. So.
0: And as we I all don't
6: encourage it. I don't I don't approve of it. I don't allow it and anybody to attack anybody on any of my pages or definitely not. I mean they can attack. I can take care of myself, but I usually like I'm very very Scottish when it comes to that. <laughs> very very controlling, <laughs> like.
0: So I have to ask you, and how was your birthday the other day?
6: It was great. It wasn't just the other day. It was like the whole week.
0: Well, you know.
6: <laughs> I, just, I forgot which day it was, because I think it started two days early. to somebody on on Facebook said, happy birthday, and everybody thought it was my birthday. And I said, no, well, okay, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then the real <laughs>
3: birthday,
6: it was, it was great. And then I had a, a little celebration on Friday as well. And that was lovely, and... So it was great. I loved it. It was just, it was, it was very, very nice. It was very uh, overwhelming, overwhelming outpouring of just great love and support. And that was, that was wonderful. I, 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 really, I really, really liked it. I, birthdays never meant a great deal to me. I have a brother who's exactly one year older, mm-hmm. one year in a month. And we always celebrated our birthdays on his birthday, which was May fourth. So when I was a kid, I was always like, "Well, what does it, it doesn't make any difference. It's fine." So it's only since I've become an adult and that I've got to appreciate like my own birthday. So It just never really mattered to me. That kind of doesn't—it's not terribly important, but it's, it matters to other people. So I kind of have—I I participate, which is great. I love it. No balloons.
0: No balloons. Uh, and of course now your birthday gets to continue your celebration continues tomorrow since everybody will be able to see One Night in Hollywood on Shorts TV
6: yes exactly I
0: I can't think of a better birthday present than that
6: well the other the the, the interesting thing is I think being an actor there are milestones throughout the year that you know if you're busy there are great things happening you're beginning stuff you're ending stuff things are being premiered things are being you know So it's always like the personal stuff for me just as always just is there. But it's it's, it's very nice. It's like, yes, people seeing One Night in Hollywood is just as important as my birthday. So I'm looking forward to that.
0: Well, and I'm looking forward to more people seeing it so that Sherry will be able to make one week in Hollywood so we can see even more of you. Uh, yes, exactly. At least the weekend in Hollywood. It, at least the weekend. <laughs>
6: yeah, we might go
4: one night, one weekend, and then the one week in oh. Hollywood. I don't know. We'll do a long, short film. I don't know. This could be on forever. And then also, uh, just so you know, it's the Shorts TV is on DirecTV. So if you have a movie package with DirecTV, if you look, you actually will be able to get Shorts, Shorts HD, Shorts TV, it's called in. And they're a great um, distribution company for short films. They represent all the Oscar films, and mm-hmm. we were really fortunate to get to get that distribution deal. So we're grateful to them too.
0: Yeah, because a short film I executive produced is also showing on on uh, Directv Shorts HD right now, Bunker. So oh, fantastic! We'll both yeah. we'll both have films out there at the same time. Yay! Would... <laughs> God, oh, I can't thank both of you so much. This has been fabulous, Ian. Thank you so much.
6: Thank you very much. Thank you for always lovely chatting with you, and thank you for your for your wonderful support. It's greatly appreciated.
0: Oh, always. And I know that based on the number of impressions and retweets and repostings and everything about you being on today's show, I know right now there is a cadre of live listeners listening to you. And Excellent. I'm sure there will be even more on when this go, when the show goes up on iTunes tomorrow. So,
6: oh, wonderful. That's great. I'm very, very very happy very happy to have done it. Now I'm going to try to wear as loose amount of clothing as possible, and make my way to the valley and survive.
0: Yes, please stay cool so you can come back and do some more fun stuff.
6: I will. Thank you. Thank you both. Oh, thank Ian, you Debbie. Thank thank you, Sherry. you. I'll see you soon.
0: And thank you, Sherry. Okay, thank you. And thanks,
4: Ian. He's been, what, what a great opportunity to work with Ian. He's been so gracious and supportive of our little film. And, you know, it was it was really nice. Thanks, Ian. Yeah, my pleasure. I'll see
6: okay. you soon.
0: Bye, guys. Bye. Thank Bye, you. Bye, Debbie. Thank you. And that was Sherry Sussman. And yes, the one and only Ian Buchanan, General Hospital's Duke Lavery. Who knows? So tomorrow you can see him in One Night in Hollywood. And as he said, he'd be open to ghosting again and appearing as Duke. So, you know, everybody over at GH, powers that be, take a listen to that. So let's see. I'm looking for Brian here. Do we have time to do another Dory clip here? All right. Which one should we do? Well then, we will do. Let's hear what Ed O'Neill and Ellen had to say about Finding Dory. When I asked them, since Andrew Stanton earlier in the in the day had said to me had well had said that Hank is to Dory what Dory was to Finding Nemo, so it begged the important question. Earlier, Andrew said that Hank is to this film what Dory was to Finding Nemo. Now, does that mean that we will see? A subsequent movie now with Hank, and if so, will you be championing the cause on Ellen's show? Uh, I,
3: we were just talking about that. I this. said
0: that on our way out. I said,
3: I bet there's going to be a sequel. We have to find out.
5: Be a baby, what? baby Hank, a baby
3: Hank flashback, <laughs> little angry, grumpy baby. Where he, lo-
5: where he lost his
3: yeah. um, So, yes, if Andrew's paying attention, that yes, there will be
0: a campaign for that. <laughs> So after this weekend's box box office, I'm sure Ellen will be starting the campaign shortly. So is that, is that, oh, we can do, we have time to do the one more clip. Andrew, director Andrew Stanton talking about the music of Finding Nemo. uh, What has the music (laughs) in the film? It's very simple. It's very elegant. Thomas Newman's score is beauteous. Yeah. As an understatement. Yeah. The two songs that you select, though, that, All That We Hear, Timeless Classics, what led you to those selections? Um,
7: it was sort of thematic to just with the first movie. There was, a, a, I think um, we were under a little pressure to put a song for marketing reasons at the end of Finding Nemo. And I really didn't want it, the movie to suddenly be tainted with this sort of sellout quality to it. And so I suggested this pre-existing song that I had heard Robbie Williams do, Beyond the Sea. And I just felt like it was an old classic. It was, but it had a, a very modern sort of uh, appreciation for it. And uh, it just fit. It just kind of fit. And so fortunately we were able to get the rights. And that sort of set kind of a, a bar or a tone for the next movie i felt like we should do the same and the
2: you always wanted unforgettable i always wanted unforgettable, unforgettable.
7: it just was
2: always at the end of the movie like it was who yeah it was just who was going to yeah. sing it and um and
7: then the and, uh, the, uh, the louis armstrong song was honestly i already had a louis armstrong song in wally and i was like really should i really do go there again <laughs> and but the funny thing is is that uh my co-director, Angus McLean, had come up with that song, and it was so funny. And we tried all these other songs, and it just lost its humor. It was not funny. It's that voodoo of comedy that, like, suddenly that idea plus Louis Armstrong was funny, so.
2: And, yeah, and it's just, I think it was the genuine, like, the slow-mo, overly dramatic kind of Thoma Louise, yeah. like, m- moment combined with-
0: So that is all the time we have today. Just a reminder to all of you, we finally have a Twitter page. You can follow behind the lens at BTL radio show and stay tuned because we're going to have some breaking news later this week. And we may have another general hospital vet alum, uh, Jeffrey Vincent Paris. Most of you know him as Carlos, the man that killed Duke Lavery until next week. I'm Debbie Elias. This is behind the lens. (laughs)